I'm just going to have to cut it. You're ruining it. All right, start it off, Rice. That'll be just that'll be the best thing I ever cut from this show, let me tell you. you found volume three of the rock of shame podcast the roughest toughest newest musical discovery podcast in the universe i am your host the bad boy bryce reed i am joined by the evil genius greg plord how it do everybody and of course the stream daddy drew peak is also here what's up chat how we doing let's get a poggers and chat I don't know. I don't know what any of these words mean. Uh, don't be so toxic. <laughs> it's fu- it's four twenty, everybody. Happy uh, four twenty episode. What a, what a fitting uh, artist that we have for this week's four twenty episode uh, with the Chemical Brothers uh, that we're gonna have a, a lengthy discussion about. I'm absolutely certain. If you're new to the show, let me give you the good news. Each week, these three incredibly sexy men uh, and sometimes guests select a musical artist or group that we've never really listened to and we spend the whole week immersing ourselves in the art and the culture and the world of that artist only to return here the following week and tell you all about it. You can listen along with us at home. Soon we'll find ways to incorporate you guys more and more although the Twitch chat is uh, uh, the best way to get involved right now. We stream live Tuesday nights twitch.tv slash thickboydrewski. That's with two C's and an I instead of a Y. Spelt uh, the obnoxious way. Right, correct. Uh, like, just think about how would an asshole spell this, and then you just spell it that way. I'm the asshole. Uh, it's me, <laughs> Thick Boy Drisky. <laughs> Uh, if you want to help us grow and support the show, there's only one way. That's to let the world know. Share it on Facebook. Tell your friends more than anything. Get get us more uh, music friends in here. Uh, and you can, of course, tweet us at Rock of Shame on Twitter. Uh, thank you for enjoying the show. Thank you to everybody who's, uh, who's downloaded the shows. The numbers have been uh, really cool to see uh, people come in. And the engagement that people have had with us each and every week talking about the different artists has been really fun. Uh, most importantly for now, though, just subscribe uh be with us here every week on any plat uh podcast platform that you uh frequent and uh and just listen along because we're having a great time here um today's a, a very special day not only is it uh is it 420 for all the people who uh partake in that sort of thing uh <laughs> but uh also uh, kind of a huge uh, monumental uh, trial uh, this week, uh, most notably today. Um, and uh, while we're not a political podcast, uh, it was uh, a, a historic and uh, somewhat satisfying conclusion for now. Um, and I feel like it's worth uh, sort of noting here at the top of the show. Agreed. Yeah. Uh, but we. Uh, this is the part of the show we always talk about sort of new music that came out uh this week in addition to our chemical brothers deep dive um 
we're going to start with Greg. Greg, did you listen to anything new this week? Yes, I indeed did. Nice. Uh, the two albums that came out on Friday, I would highly recommend uh, Amigo the Devil, Born Against. He's kind of a uh, folky singer-songwriter, very dark sense of humor. He's in that weird subgenre called Murder Folk, where... Uh, pr- <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's exactly how it sounds. Um, uh, yeah. But but no, it's actually you know ten songs. It's just over half an hour. It gets straight to the point. It's funny. The instrumentation and production are gorgeous, um, and some of the lyrics will definitely pull at your heartstrings too. It has a wide array of emotions. Um, it's definitely mm-hmm. in my top three of the year so far, um, in terms of records and the. Other record I would recommend is the new Conway the Machine record. Uh, I think it was called La Quanita, I believe it was called. Um, but it's uh, he's a rapper um, from New York, and he has a lot of variety on there. Uh, he has some kind of old school uh, style, but with a modern punch to it. So I think there's some tracks on there, Bryce, you might actually enjoy. Um but he also does have some trap production as well, some different guest artists, and everything seems to flow really well together. So I enjoyed that a lot. Any drill beat? Any drill beat with like triplet flows at all? Um, I think there's a couple. <laughs> so, so yes, there is that caveat, but <laughs> you might you might like it. Um, but <laughs> actually, today was a special release from Jeff Rosenstock. That's don't steal. That's don't steal it from me. I'm gonna talk about it. Okay. Oh, fuck you. Fine. <laughs> you already had to. <laughs> Christ, Greg. Uh, I know. I'm such. I'm such a greedy little shit. Yeah. Uh, fine. Greedy. Grandma. I'll let you talk about Rah. it. But I'm gonna interject. <laughs> Drew. Drew. Do you get new stuff? Yeah, actually, I did. Chat. Take a look at the uh, comment section right now, and you'll have a link to three brand new songs that I just dropped. Solo tracks of house music. Uh, one is a Men in Black remix that I made, and the other two are just kind of mostly my own sounds. One has a little bit of some sampling in it and stuff, but it's just some dance music. I debuted them at a uh, open air, uh, mass mandatory mass event uh, this last Saturday. They went over pretty well. So in the dancing sort of community, it looks like that went well. Uh, but yeah, so in honor of the Chemical Brothers and all that stuff, I have some electronic music that I also put out today or well a few days ago really but um the link is now in the soundcloud uh, if you want to hit a heart on that and get a little like action in there a little bit of some engagement is always appreciated you can get that on soundcloud.com forward slash uh official drewski um d-r-e-w-s-k-i and you can find it there pretty easily uh the new playlist is called the drewski Thix tape volume one and there's some great Thick booty shaking house tracks for you to dance and shake your rump to. Yeah. Spoiler alert: they are dope. <laughs> Thanks, man. I appreciate that. Um, yeah. Put on put on your leotard and just give in to the power of dance. You know what exactly. I mean? Exactly. Just plie <laughs> and whatever other ballet moves you can do to it, <laughs> or Millie Rock to it, uh, Harlem Shake to it, whatever you so desire. <laughs> Thick. Right. I'm done with my plug. <laughs> Yeah, let's talk about the Jeff Rosenstock record. He just dropped uh, uh, a record that he called Ska Dream. It's a rework of his uh, record No Dream from last year? 
It was my second favorite record of the year. <laughs> wow. Uh, Jeff, uh, I listened to it today. Um, so it's a rework of that record, but he's kind of done all these ska songs. For people who don't know, Jeff Rosenstock was uh, uh, heavily involved in a couple of pretty important uh, sort of modern post '90s pop uh, 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 ska bands. Um, the Arrogant Sons of Bitches was a project of his, as well as Bomb the Music Industry, which was maybe the one that that uh, uh, was kind of more prolific when I was coming up in in high school and stuff like that. Um, he uh, he's never really been one of my guys personally. Um, but this, uh, this record is kind of cool. So he's reworking it as sort of the type of ska music that he used to make. Um, it sounds a lot like a Dan Podast record. Uh, it sounds like, uh, when we were fearless from two years ago that they put out Dan P and the bricks, um, with maybe a little bit more of like this Jeff Rosenstock ADHD, uh, to the, uh, the, uh, arrangements. It is very much a chaotic record. Uh, put yeah. it that way for yeah. for those who don't know a Jeff Rosenstock record this shit is not super straightforward <laughs> it's uh, not like it's not hyper proggy but it will jump it 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 sort of revels in uh, a great pleasure of uh structural elements in the songs just kind of coming out of nowhere and not really being forecasted uh with the the sort of repetition of the arrangement uh, which is really cool and uh, and I d- I dig that a lot, but um, uh, but for me uh, I would have to give it a few more listens because it feels like something that needs a little bit more into it, and I might actually go back and listen to the original version, which I've never listened to. Uh, I would highly uh, recommend. <laughs> Is there anything more that you uh, felt you wanted to say about it? Um, not entirely. I think you pretty much hit it on the head. I. I do enjoy it. I personally would recommend the original over this version, but for what this project kind of represents, it is kind of a really fun project and executed very well. I just, I'll admit, I didn't expect how chaotic it was going to get at times where it just went full on ska core and just had tempos even faster than was on the original. I'm like, Jesus fucking Christ. It's kind of cool because he's moved away from that sound uh, with his recent stuff, right? Yeah. And so it's kind of cool to see him revisit it. It would be like if if, uh, uh, Frank Turner went back and did one of his records as though it were a Million Dead album or something like that, right? Yeah. uh, Just like a different sort of of revisit this old sound and be like, I can still kind of do this thing even though I'm doing this other thing now uh but is that it for new stuff everybody i do believe so yeah i think that's just about it Hmm. um (laughs) sick uh volume three (laughs) volume three the chemical brothers uh let's uh discuss uh our week with the chemical brothers this is a really interesting one to tackle in terms of who should go first talking about this group you should go first because should i go first yeah should i go first oh yeah why should i go first explain why i should go first the reason why i think that you should go first bryce is because you are probably the blindest reaction i think you don't have a lot of experience with listening or seeking out i should say electronic music right um so to get your impression i think is going to be the most interesting Right, which is exactly why I don't think I should go first. Let's start with dessert, is what I'm trying to say. (laughs) 
Well, let me tell you about my week with the Chemical Brothers. I have started uh, a week with the Chemical Brothers. I have finished a week with the Chemical Brothers. I went in as one type of man. I came out the other side as a different uh, type of man. I have seen the light. I am now an ardent fan of electronic music. And uh, I apologize to Drew for my naysaying for so many years. You're joking. Yes, I fucking hated it. It was awful Called the it. whole week. Yep. God damn it. <laughs> Called it. it was, you had uh, me pumped for a fake revelation. Uh, it was, it was uh, I don't, the whole thing. The whole thing, I was just like, oh, man. Uh, now, I will say I had uh, some friends hit me up. My friend General hit me up earlier in the week. Uh, a couple of people hit me up during the week and were like, hey, I really love the Chemical Brothers, but I'm not sure that I would sit down and actively listen to the Chemical Brothers. Um, and their response was, if you want to get into them, I would suggest that you put them on while you sort of do other things around the house, like do your laundry or play a video game. Uh, so I did that. Uh, I played a bunch of Far Cry 5 while I listened to the Chemical Brothers, and I found them more bearable when doing that than I did when I tried to actively listen to one of their records. But I wouldn't, uh, say that it, it made me, uh, what I will say about the Chemical Brothers is that it made me want to listen to other music. Um, which is like kind of a benefit. Uh, I don't, I, the whole thing for me was just like, I don't know the sound, the things. And, and I think I, the things that I gravitate towards in music, melody work and, 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 um, and lyrical expression and delivery, uh, in that sort of vein, uh, is stuff that's just not present in this type of music. So, um, while there were certainly p- songs that came out that I was like, this is uh, incredibly hokey and tough for me to get through. Um, a lot of it was just like, yeah, this is fine, but I'm not super interested in the sound that they're making. <laughs> um, throughout the records, uh, for what it's worth, I listened to uh, Push the Button. I listened to Surrender. I listened to We Are the Night. I listened to No Geography. And I listened to Born in the Echoes um, from 2005, 1999, 2007, 2019, and 2015, respectively. Um, I will read the thing, even though we read it last week. Uh, The Chemical Brothers are an English electronic music duo formed by Tom Rowlands and Ed Simmons in Manchester in 1989. They were pioneers, along with The Prodigy, Fatboy Slim, Crystal Method, and other acts, in bringing the big beat genre to the forefront of pop culture. They released their debut album, Exit Planet Dust, and it eventually went on to sell a million copies worldwide. After attracting Virgin Records, the duo achieved more widespread success with their second album, Dig Your Own Hole, uh, which topped the UK charts. Uh, In the UK, they have had six number one albums and 13 top 20 singles, including two number one hits. Their name uh, came about in 1995 after they dropped their original name of the Dust Brothers uh, due to their existence uh, of a different uh, due to the existence of a different band with the same name. The Chemical Brothers refers to the duo's 1993 groundbreaking Chemical Beats, uh, which optimized 
uh, epitomized their genre-defining sound in the United States. The musical act have won six uh, Grammy Awards, including Best Rock Instrumental Performance, Best Dance Recording, Best Electronic-slash-Dance Album uh, of the Year as recently as 2020. Um, Yeah, for me, throughout the records... uh, none of the things that they focused on worked for me from a taste perspective. Um, It's going to be really interesting to uh, put any sort of grade on it because I don't, uh, not not to spoil it, but I don't think it's bad. It's just certainly not my shit at all. And uh, there were certain records I listened to, most notably Push the Button. I think I rolled my eyes on every song on that record uh, because it, there were a handful of songs on that record that to me, for my tastes, which just aren't electronic music tastes, sounded like someone turned all the machines on in the arcade and then played the drums while just shouting one phrase over and over again for like seven minutes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like, just no thank you oh, uh, in a big way. <laughs> But I want to move on to Greg now because Greg is the one in the maybe more the middle here than Drew. That is true. Um, I did enjoy Chemical Brothers quite considerably, and I went actually, Greg. One second before we do go to you, your buddy Scoobity Boobity Mm. said uh, he listened also and said it's been an interesting week for me with the Chemical Brothers. Not always in a good way, but it was definitely interesting. And then in parentheses. Outside of push the button, that album dragged. <laughs> so we yeah. got a, we got a second consensus on push the button being kind of trash. And I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna slightly be the oh third God. on that. But I, I think this is my pizza that. guy uh, mm. with the first three numbers in the in the phone number being 420. Hilarious. <laughs> Hello. Hello. Thank you so much. Have a good one. Happy holidays. Bye bye. <laughs> the fuck was that? <laughs> You're the worst. The pizza guy. I'm leaving all that nice. in. <laughs> of course, you should. Happy 420, y'all. Greg, right. tell us about it, please. All right. So, my experience with the Chemical Brothers. I did try to listen to all of their discography at least once, mm-hmm. um, as as I tried to do. And this one was about nine albums, so it seemed pretty manageable for me. Um, And being primarily instrumental, I do sort of treat it as truly background music. I listen to it while driving or I listen to it while doing things. Admittedly, trying to sit down and really dissect it is interesting, but Mm -hmm. it it does work better for me in the context of doing something while having it back there. Because I'll admit, I'm not one who's huge on instrumental music, probably Maybe my favorite group that does primarily instrumental music would be like Apocalyptica, who sure. are like, but, um, and and of course jazz records. I love the shit out of jazz, but right. um, in the case of electronic, I'll admit that's a genre I'm not as uh, super familiar with. I I'll listen to like industrial punk and industrial rap, like Death Grips, for example, mm-hmm. but I don't go a ton out of my way to. Uh, listen to a lot of just straight up instrumental electronic music and it's interesting to uh watch drew eat a pizza here um 
<laughs> of course, the uh, the listeners will not understand how great this uh, image is. But anyway, You're right? This pizza is awesome, bro. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I did listen to the discography front to back, and the progression of their sound was definitely interesting. I would say my favorite albums of theirs were definitely the first four. Mm. Um, I would probably give them respectively out of 10 um, in the order. I'd probably give like a 9, 10, 9, and a 10. Mm. Um, I personally enjoyed that big beat sort of sound that Chemical Brothers were known for. And and I liked how a lot of the songs transitioned into one another almost fluently to a point where right. you could argue that maybe the entire album was just one long-ass song, which is probably what you trying to sit down to it was just like <laughs> this just fucking drags but um it for the first four records for me especially the second one uh dig your hole or dig your own mm-hmm. hole where it added some psychedelic rock elements and mm. some very interesting like grungier elements to it and the fourth record come with us which just threw convention right out the window with a lot of like weird new disco influence, new funk influence, and uh, definitely a lot more percussion-based stuff. Like the song, uh, it came from Africa, and I loved the layering of the percussion on that. I'm just a sucker for that type of stuff. Um, I will admit, push the button was definitely where it. I think they tried to get a little bit more conventional intentionally, like galvanize. I love that track. Um, although I remember the single version being about half that length, so it extending to six and a half minutes was a little bit interesting, but I'm like, okay, we can, we can go, we can go. Um, and while there were some songs off that record I did enjoy, it was sort of falling into the being a little bit too repetitive and not as interesting as the other records. I would still argue it's okay. But I would definitely understand why you or and my friend Scott there uh, did not really enjoy that record because it definitely started to drag. And unfortunately, that was a trend I saw with albums after that, where they experimented a little bit more with electronica, which I respected in a lot of. Uh, I think on that record, it did have more hits than misses, but um, it, it didn't hit all the time. And definitely once you hit like the uh once you hit further and i think there was another record after that um those definitely were just kind of like in and out very forgettable for me even as background music where i was just doing stuff it just i tried sitting down and dissecting it and it just did not do anything for me but no geography i remember listening to that when it first came out um and i re-listened to it again because i hadn't listened to it in i think over a year and mm-hmm. I still enjoy that record quite a bit. It was kind of a nice sort of middle ground between the sound that they were known for, that big beat stuff that was originally there, and sort of a newer electronic, a slightly brighter sound of uh, of electronic. Um, overall, I really enjoyed uh, Chemical Brothers uh, quite a bit. And I can understand it's probably not everybody's thing because yeah. they are definitely weird but for me i think the best parts of their music is when they get just weird and just fuck around yeah. um when when they when they try to get a little bit more conventional with slightly poppier 
chord progressions, slightly more melodic elements of like EDM of the time. It was definitely still a Chemical Brothers record, but it was definitely like trying to adapt to the scene and not very well. So that that's that's kind of my experience with it. I want to uh, to to not come off as uh, as overly negative uh, because uh, and and want to reiterate before I move on that that I think all of all of the things that I that didn't work for me on this record didn't work for me because they don't work for me. It doesn't right. mean that they won't work for somebody else. Uh, most of those songs are instrumental. I don't really have a great history with instrumental music either, as far as to like just sitting down and listening to instrumental music. Um, but I mean, uh, like, yeah, I, I I feel like I remember having a conversation with you about even dub reggae, and you being like, eh, yeah, I don't, I like, don't, nah. I would rather listen to something with just more. And I come from it from a singer's background, right? Like that's what fascinates me about it. In the same way that yeah. you two, be having a drumming background, like rhythms fascinate you in music right and so uh it, that it, me coming from a vocal performer background the fact that very few of these songs had re any real vocals to them other than like here's a guy he says my finger is on the button a, a hundred times in the fucking song and then and then my we go out right is on the button Meow. push the button <laughs> Um, I will say there were a handful of songs on each record that that just did have vocal tracks on them uh, of considerable length. And uh, there would be one like, uh, geez, like uh, Left Right on Push the Button has a whole, there's a rapper on it, right? Um, or Close Your Eyes uh, near the end of Push Your Button, which has, uh, Push the Button, which has a, 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 a female vocalist on it who has a beautiful voice. Um you know, uh, my favorite song that I heard all week was the Salmon Dance off of fucking We Are The Night, which is fucking absolutely ridiculous uh, novelty <laughs> comedy rap song about a dude who invented a really, like, stupid dance and everybody was super into it, you know? Your um, boy Scooby Booby likes that one, too. It's a shout out to the Salmon Dance <laughs> dope hanger track. <laughs> that, was my, that was my favorite one that I heard all the time, you know, but that like, one when, was it came, dope. when it came to the electronic uh, music stuff, like, the ones that... that like I liked Mad as Hell from No Geography, perhaps only because I, I found the sample that they were using funny out of context anyway. Um, yeah. And that kind of pulled me through it. But uh, as far as like the deep, dark, electronic nerd shit really just didn't, didn't play for me for the most part. Um, and I found myself... Uh, uh, regularly checking my phone to be like is this the last one nope two more all right is this the nope one more. Yeah. All right. the, the sample uh, element on on mad as hell it did kind of get a little bit grating toward the end because the song is like yeah. five and a half minutes i love the beat and i loved it first but right. then it's just i'm bad as hell right but i ain't gonna take it no more i'm right. mad as hell and i ain't gonna take it no more and it just keeps going and going you have to remember though with this kind of music it's being dj'd a lot right. of the time yeah. So you're using that outro as a way to cue up your next song. Yeah. Which did work for the albums. Like I said, like they all transitioned like fluidly. If that's one consistent thing about the record, it's just like it's constantly transitioning into the next song very well. If it's one thing, even if I didn't like the song as a whole, I usually liked how it transitioned into the next one. But that's something that you uh, will become familiar with too with electronic music is that. A lot of the time, if the outro feels repetitive, it's because they're leaving extra space because it's the 
the deep cut right. album version that's used to DJ with. Yeah. So you can queue up your next track because beat matching and lining up tracks with vinyl is a fucking nightmare. Also, uh, K Bart said, uh, I had the album with block rock and beats in high school. I was a Euro tech- techno nerd. Uh, now that I'm 42, I've lost interest in the band and not my style anymore, which I get a lot of that. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, the Block Rock and Beats record, the the Dig Your Own Hole, that was my personal favorite. I'm, I want to find a fucking vinyl of that shit. I also I also really like Dig Your Own Hole, but we'll get to me. Yeah, we'll yeah to in me. just a moment, I promise. The uh, Electro Daddy. Much like with uh, uh, when we covered Guar last week, it does feel... It does feel like sitting down and listening listening to the albums of this band is missing the point to some extent uh, because we're not getting it in the atmosphere of seeing it on a live DJ set surrounded by a bunch of other people turned way the fuck up on whatever the fuck is going around at the time. Um, you know, and, and uh, arguably any kind of music is probably better in that type of setting than it is here. But uh, with these ones, especially with some of these albums, like it was definitely um, apparent uh, to me that I was like, oh man, like the, if you're in a room and it's, and the music is cranked and there's fucking gorgeous women everywhere, like freaking out, then like, yeah, it's probably like a whole different thing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm not yeah, sure how many dude, people would be twerking to the Chemical Brothers, though. That'd be hilarious if Galvanize all of a sudden is just nothing but twerking. Boom, 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 boom. It might not be really see. twerk, but it might be, like, people just dancing and, like, getting all weird and shit. Yeah. It's like it's like psychedelic rave shit. My you know last I mean? point before we get to Drew, because I do want to hear his perspective, uh, is, uh, like, the the... The like, let's pretend we're robot stuff that I found like incredibly hokey throughout the records. Uh, I'm sure in a big room like that, in the DJ set, is like, oh, fucking cool robot voice, dude. You know, like as opposed to me, who is I was sitting back and be like, Jesus fucking Christ. Uh, but but Drew, please, I want to know your perspective because you're someone who was kind of set up uh, to be into this sort of thing. You have a, a greater history with this genre, so here comes the daddy. Um. <laughs> Man, like, so I grew up, like, in, in my younger days, like, I was super hype on The Prodigy and, um, like, Apex Twin and, like, um, Daft Punk, like, you know, just a bunch of different random artists back then that were, like, less sort of underground, like, who else is there? I don't know, like, yeah, just, like, artists like that. Um... Fatboy Slim, for example, too, like, but like, I never really dove into Chemical Brothers at the time. And it was more, even though they have Grammy Awards and stuff, it felt more underground. And I think that I just never dove into it because it didn't have a lot of like, the hits and stuff like that, I guess, except for maybe for people who are like, really hearing it in that underground sort of hit kind of scene, you know, like, it was a hit maybe for like a lot of underground raves and shit like that. But it didn't really feel like it hit like the more popular culture at the time. And, you know, obviously I wasn't able to submerge myself into the rave culture in like the mid to late nineties. Cause I was young as shit, but I, you know, like early two thousands, I, I had, you know, the internet to my disposal. So I was able to explore a lot of these artists, but I never really explored the chemical brothers. So coming back to it now with like how my electronic music fascination has kind of progressed and everything. And I've been immersed in it with my own production and DJing. Um, I have to say that 
their more recent stuff that I listened to uh, was okay. But, I mean, dude, like, you know, mid-90s to, like, like right before Push the Button, I would say, was, like, <laughs> fucking amazing, like, as far as that sound goes. And I was just like, I can understand why Pro Mix Mag was just sucking their dicks over, like, their production because it's just, like, so, like, just sonically so incredible. And, like, they're grabbing all these analog sounds and, like, making the soundscape, like, throughout their albums that are just, like, I just am like, oh, man, this is, like, their early stuff is just ear candy. Like, for when I have headphones on, I'm just, like, at one point I was, like, I was really doing, like, a re-listen and a deep dive of the earlier stuff because I really liked them for my first listen and I re-listened to it when I was cleaning my house today. And I was just like, I had my air, I had my AirPods in, and like I had it set to like no fucking sounds outside of it, you know. Like there's a cancellation thing you can get right. on the earbuds, and I'm just like cleaning. I'm just going like, holy shit, man! Like the sounds and everything that I'm getting all out of all this, and I'm doing stuff. And like you said, Bryce, like doing stuff with electronic music as opposed to like avidly listening to it is probably the best way to like ingest a lot of electronic music. Like I, I for like for example, like I, I tell people all the time, like uh, I don't just vibe out to like house music like i search for it and deep dive with it on a purpose but i get my taste for it by djing it and feeling it like while i'm dancing and stuff and like that's how i ingest a lot of like that music because it's fucking dance music right it's music that makes you want to dance it's not like it's not the same concept as like you know listening to something like uh, like like bruce springsteen where it's like you're trying to get like the lyrics and like the whole thing like what just insert a rock artist here you know what i mean like we're like it's about the message and like the deliverance and stuff. it's a and passive it's... listening experience not so much an active listening experience yeah and like but the thing is it's like i kind of more actively listened to it this last time around and man like surrender um when i got to the track let forever be mm. like i kind of like had to stop for a second i was like where have i heard this sound before and I like paused it and I just sat and I just like thought about it for a minute. And I was like, hold on. And I went into um, Revolver by the Beatles. And I listened to that song, the last one on the Revolver album. Tomorrow Never Knows. Mm -hmm. um, if, do you, do you, are you guys familiar with that song? No, Doug. I have not listened really? to uh, Revolver in quite a while. It's probably the one song on their album that like stands out to me in the Beatles collection because it has all these crazy they take like reverse sounds of like sitars and stuff and like it has like this very psychedelic eastern asian or well I guess like indian sort of influence like uh and there's just all this, this this psychedelia in it and um if you look at the cadence of how it's how it's written out like uh let forever be and fuck, I keep forgetting the name of the goddamn song. Hold on. <laughs> um, so, like, if you look at the actual, so there's "Tomorrow Never Knows," which is the Beatles, and then the song by the Chemical Brothers is "Let Forever Be." So even like the words and like how it's said, kind of like line up. And I did a, I googled it, and I was like, "Is there a correlation here?" And someone said, "Yep." Like the Chemical Brothers acknowledged that that was an inspiration for that song. And it makes so much sense because the whole cadence of it, like the whole like way it flows in and out with like reverse uh, edited like uh, instruments from like that culture are implemented into it and stuff. And I was like, dude, that's so cool that like 
they like tip their hat to like the Beatles on this song because like when artists do that, a lot of the time I really hate it. <laughs> but for this one, like it actually kind of like worked pretty well in my opinion. And I, um, I will say, surrender as a record was my favorite one that I listened to. Uh, looking back, so I didn't really have any rhyme or reason for exploring it. The first day I just listened to the Spotify playlist, this is the Chemical Brothers, and then I sort of picked records based on, like, it's kind of hard trolling through their discography because, like, every other record is, like, a, a single with four versions of the same song on it from the 12-inch days, right? And so uh, I just sort of picked uh, what it, the albums that it suggested to me that I hadn't listened to yet um, kind of first. And uh, I realize now, looking through it, I didn't listen. Surrender is the earliest of the records they listened to, and it was also my my favorite of the of the ones that I did. I think like all their earlier stuff is their good stuff. Yeah. Like for for me, the first stuff... four records are like absolute must haves if you like the Chemical Brothers. Yeah. But that I, mean, I think that's where yeah. afterward. I think after um Come With Us it was push the button, I'm pretty sure. And that was the downfall. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, but I just I really like all the stuff that they did with like psychedelic influence in their stuff was mm -hmm. like the stuff I really liked the most. Uh, because like, um, I don't know, like a lot of this music is like pretty drug influenced. You know what I mean? Like, it, like a lot of rave culture starts, your night starts with popping an ecstasy or like taking a hit of acid and like experiencing this like experimentation of like analog synthesizers and drum machines and stuff and trying to make, uh, things that shouldn't be music into music, like basically. And, like, some people just do not click with that. And I am fully accepting of that. And, like, I totally get it. But, like, I mean, the fact that you can make things, like, that shouldn't work as a musical thing somehow create melody into it and, like, movement and then, like, add a beat to it. And then all of a sudden you, like, have this urge to dance to it. Like, and it's all just fucking sounds. And, like, their earlier stuff, too, like, they clearly took a lot of industrial elements to it and just made like a lot of weird gritty in your face sort of sounds and like you could just tell like the risk taking was like so much more there in their earlier stuff like they were just like this is what we're gonna fucking do and if people like it they like it and if not we don't fucking care and like that was like the vibe of like all their first like four or five albums and i was just like yeah like this is awesome. Like I think what and, helped, uh, I think what helped me really like their music was uh, kind of in a nostalgic sense. Uh, I'm not sure if you guys remember on the Xbox uh, Jet Set Radio Future, or mm -hmm. even before. I don't remember what console it was on before that. The original Jet Set Radio, and a lot of the music off there actually kind of reminded me of sort of like the music that Chemical Brothers were making. I'm not sure if Chemical Brothers had any tracks directly on either video game, but uh, the music from there definitely reminded me of that type of style that Chemical Brothers did. So I think I yeah, caught on to this a lot too, faster right? because of that sort of nostalgic uh, connection. Even if Chemical Brothers may or may not be directly involved with it, that type of sound I was kind of familiar with. So I was able to digest those first four like really, really well um, for me personally. Yeah. And like, yeah, I mean, and. You know, like, I see, like, some influence. Like, there's just, like, they tried to do so much cool stuff with it. They got, obviously, there's a lot of the big beat stuff, you know, that, you know, like, that kind of big beat break thing. 
But, you know, like that song Got Glint on uh, the comic, it's like a slow and low, like house, like mm-hmm. deep, dark house track. And I was just like, yo, what the fuck? I was like, I might fucking play this next weekend. Like, I was like, I might slip this into my set somehow. Like, this thing is like, it was like slow and low and deep and dark and kind of like, it just has so many like analog, like gr- greasy, like techie sounds they had a cu- to it. They had a was- couple of like slower songs on each of those records that it would like, it would definitely change the pace up and you would notice, but it was still really good. It didn't take you out of the moment. And you're just like, oh, hello, what's this? And then it goes right into like the bigger songs again. You're like, fuck yeah, that yeah. was dope. <laughs> yeah and like that's the thing is like the got glint song was like so awesome because hey boy hey girls right after it yeah and obviously that one's like the the banger but like yeah i, I think that's their most streamed the song glint, if i remember correctly yeah like but the got glint song right before it was just like i was like ooh, this is like that deep cut that i look for when i like look when i dive into like electronic artists like i like finding those deep cuts that like don't really feel like they would work really well in a listening sort of situation but out live it has just such like a like an edgy sort of like exciting, like surprising sort of thing happening yeah. that like I could slip it into a set and it would just like go over like super well on that. Like it felt like a really cool tool that I could like utilize. And I was just like hearing it and going like, Oh man, like let me get my hands on this. Like, this is a great fucking song. Like it just, yeah, I, I, I wish I could listen to it right now. <laughs> so I could like remember exactly why but like yeah there was just some good stuff i, I just remember hearing it again be like which one is this one again and i looked i was like got glint oh man like oh this was cool there what were you say, Bryce? there were a number of songs on each record where they really did go low dynamic into this sort of more um atmospheric sort of beautiful kind of sound to it I like um, that too. and those were the tracks that typically on a record i responded the most to uh, maybe just because they f- they felt like there was a little more going on outside of the sort of regular goals of uh, uh, electronic uh, dance music like this. Um, and so when those tracks hit, and typically they would get some sort of uh, wonderful sort of slightly smoky voiced female vocalist to sing over the top of it uh, to some degree and and those were the songs for me on the records that i was like this is nice i like this but then it would be fun. i liked when they did that too for me i think the the especially on the earlier records those like prettier moments i think really worked for me i think when it came to like the later 2000s ones where they were really experimenting in like the more modern electronica of the time uh, mm-hmm. Some experimentations worked, and others it didn't quite click for me, especially on Further, where uh, the opening track, Snow, was primarily just like three and a half minutes of just this very bizarre, glitchy, but bright-sounding synth, and the female vocal kind of just in a repetitious loop for like way too long. And then going right into what was probably their longest song on there was like Velocity something. And that track really fucking dragged for like a 12 minute track. I was just like, is this going (laughs) anywhere? Scoobity Boobity just said snow is cool, but it never started. (laughs) Yeah, that was pretty much the problem. Like as an intro and for three and a half minutes, like, can you fucking pick up the pace (laughs) (laughs) or do something else? Yeah. I mean, like, but that's why like their, their older stuff, like everything, like 
that I listen for and like try and produce with is like when you like you're obviously so like electronic music, like there's a bit of a goal to try and make a whole lot with a whole little. You know what I mean? Like a minimalism is kind of like reign supreme in that genre of music. Um, and like, but what I've noticed is like every single piece of like a really good dance song like that, every single part is super meaningful to be there. Even if it's very minimal, like every part, like you're so aware of like that hi-hat or like that weird synth that kind of creeps in then creeps back out again. There's not a lot of extra like unnecessary fluffy layering and like really good, deep, like minimalistic electronic music. And like they really fucking paid attention to that. You could just tell like every single part was super intentional in their earlier stuff. I just felt like they just got a little too fluffy in their like later work. Like, yeah, it's like you still got that Chemical Brothers kind of flavor, but it just kind of felt too fluffy to me. Like it just was like they're adding extra shit to try and be like, we're doing the Chemical Brothers, but now we have better equipment and like yeah. you know a nicer studio. Yeah. And, like, no, no geography for me was kind of like a better return sort of toward yeah. that more classic sound, but with some of the modern adaptations, I think, done right. I think that record yeah. for me was, like, when I first listened to it, if I went back in my notes from, like, 2019, it was, like, a 8 out of 10 for me. And I'd, I'd still probably hold up to that, maybe, like, a 7.5 out of 10. But still, it, it was definitely much more enjoyable, and I remember at least most of that record in comparison to, you know, the two or three records that came before it. So can we talk briefly on Dig Your Own Hole? Yes. Um, yes, yes, Bryce, yes, yes, did yes, you yes, listen yes, to that yes, one or no? No. Like I said, the earliest one I listened to was Surrender. I agree with you guys oh, okay. that the the mid-2000s stuff, or, or basically up until No Geography, um, which I think rightly does sort of write the ship a little better. But there, there are some tracks uh, off of like Born in the Echoes that I'm like, uh, like, I got to the end where I had to do notes on Born in the Echoes, and I'm like, I didn't really like any of these songs. <laughs> um, yeah, I just... Uh, that era of electronic music was just not my cup of tea either. Like, yeah. even outside of Chemical Brothers, if I think back to, like, mid to late 2000s, that's when a lot of Electro House was coming out. Mm -hmm. And, like, there was a stint of, like, Fidget House. And, like, Dubstep was becoming more <laughs> Skrillex-y. Yeah. Right. Electronic and EDM was becoming more mainstream. It was starting to kind of push itself out, and like underground was kind of getting pushed aside. Like, eh, yeah. you got get get out of here, Neo. You know, like <laughs> we're trying to make music for girls with like glittery fucking face things and pasties on their tits. Well, like, you know what well, I mean? like, sure. By by two by two thousand eleven, we were hearing Skrillex and Dead Mouse and people like that, like having legitimate chart success. So. The, yeah. that the sort of records that you see kind of come right after that with born in the echoes most specifically are just kind of a lot of it didn't really play for me but this second record yeah. that you guys talk about being really great and actually bryce it's not their sec surrender's not their second record it's their third so you missed dig your own hole and exit plan i know dig your dig your own hole you guys wanted to talk about as being really yeah. solid yes pasties yeah we all love pasties <laughs> <laughs> And also, Scooby Boobity's sad that you uh, ignored their most acclaimed album, which is Dig Your Own Hole, which we will talk about here for a second. Maybe Bryce will give it another shot with it. <laughs> Probably won't. But anyways, we'll talk about it for just a minute because uh, I know that you listened to it and it was one of your favorites, Greg. Um, yes. So the parts, dude, the parts that I loved most about that one was the last few songs on the record because it kind of 
So like the whole time it's like it's going in and out of like harder dancing and then dancing type stuff and then more into kind of psychedelic a little bit and like a lot of like cool synths and stuff like that are being used and mm-hmm. like interesting sounds but like at the end like there's more like elements of like live band stuff every now and then and stuff like yeah. that kind of t- tinkered in there yeah, and then a, we just a lot get... of the drums that they used on there it sounded like at the very least they were sampled from like live stuff and was just really executed well like what was that last song on there like the psychedelic reel is that the the private psychedelic reel yeah is the thing i want yo that track was like it literally like the way the album flows and gets down to that it was just like i felt like it was like the peak of a trip kind of like yeah it it's it's like nine minutes of a song that just progressed in like the best possible ways all the textures kept building the rhythms kept Yep. switching it up while obviously the tempo was still clearly there you never like were lost out of the moment but everything no. was like just morphing around you and of course we have to talk about arguably one of the best intros of any album i personally heard uh block rock and beats that goddamn bass line is that and it just that energy just kept hitting so fucking hard and i loved yeah. it it definitely is like like one of my other favorite like surrender and that one are like my two like like the the um i mean i like exit planet dust quite a bit mm. but when they got to dig your own hole it's like oh shit like all right now chemical brothers are like getting real chemically you know because <laughs> it had like a little bit of that rock flair too and i think it was because that live bass and live drum stuff really helped with those textures and I think, yeah. and I'm not sure if uh, you might have caught on to it better than I did. I'm not as huge on the production end of things, but I think it it seemed a little bit more analog, or at least more like live type of stuff. Yeah. So, but it, like it, they did so good with like getting the drums to feel like drums, as opposed to like someone making a drum yeah. beat with samples. Yeah, it it didn't just seem like they took one sample and then just like put like 30 second notes on it, just like <laughs> like it sounded like someone could actually have played this live yeah it reminds it reminds me of how like jay dilla looks at like beat production which is like he tries to make his beats feel like a real drum set yeah like he tries to drum as opposed to like like his shit would literally like slump a bit or speed up at certain times but it had a groove you know what i mean yeah and like you could you could hear that in there it doesn't feel quantized like a lot of shit does you know what i mean like but like yeah like when you get to like lost in the k-hole with like the chemical girls just like from then on it's like Bro, you're about to like take off in outer space here, like for those last three songs, and it's just like, oh yeah, I don't know. It was it was really, I really liked how that kind of just blasted off from that point on in the album. It's just like, yeah. And what I wanted to say about that private psychedelic reel is the way that song was made. I feel like so many psychedelic influenced artists from then on have taken notes out of that just that one song. Yeah, like, do you know Animal Collective? Yeah. Not quite my, yeah. uh, not my favorite or go-to, but... Me neither, me neither, but they're, like, obviously very much a psychedelic band. Oh, yeah. And I could tell, like, how much they took from this. Same, it even, like, some elements that Tame Impala utilizes in, like, his music, like, I feel like can be taken from Chemical Brothers, like, with how, like, their psychedelic stuff works. Like, there's, like, so many, like, psychedelic artists now that, like, I feel like took tons of production tricks out of the Chemical Brothers handbook when i finally got to dive into this and i was like oh it's so cool to see how that influence worked yeah. animal collectives is tits lol scooby boobity likes animal collective i 
I like him a bit. I I just I think what I don't like about Emo Collective is the dirty douchey hipsters that I knew at the time who listened to them. The, the crowd associated with the group. I was like a clo- I was like a closeted Animal Collective fan just because I hated some of the artsy fartsy kids that liked them because I just. Uh, but yeah, I mean, like I have to say, Chemical Brothers was up there for me. It definitely slapped um, mm-hmm. quite a bit. Uh, I think if it, they just probably should have stopped in the early 2000s. What was your but, What was your favorite track that you listened to, Drew? Uh, overall, yeah, I could go like top three, maybe. I'll do like a top track off of every album that I listen to. How about that? Okay. Um, I have I have a playlist actually of like my three favorites of each, but I'll definitely go with like one of each probably just to. Just to shorten it down. I liked Chemical Beats off of Exoplanet Dust probably the most. Um, that one was on my list. And then I guess Dig Your Own Hole is the hardest one for me to pick a top track. But I guess if I had to pick... Um, I probably go with Lost in the K-Hole. I don't know. It's just There was some really cool funky shit going on in that track. Yeah. Um, For Surrender... Oh, man. That one's a really hard one, too. <laughs> I guess I would go with Got Glint because it just stood out to me the most. Like that's just right now, but like there's other ones on there I love. I'm not saying that like that's the only one I liked. Um let's see here. Uh Push the Button, Galvanized is the only song I liked on that album. <laughs> so that was easy. <laughs> um and all the stuff from then on, I just uh, like I wasn't like crazy about too much of it. I mean, no geography was all right. I definitely dug that a bit. Um, yeah, I, for me, um, Chemical Beats I would say is probably my favorite off of the first record. Uh, yeah, Block Rock and Beats. Um, I know it's 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 a single. It might just be kind of an obvious go to, but that that drum work, that bass work on that song, just holy fucking shit. Yes. Um, for surrender i'd probably have to say either under the influence or hey boy hey girl i really loved the textures of both of those um uh come with us i would say it began in africa i know that was a single too but that percussion work uh the percussion layering was fantastic um then of course galvanize off push the button it seems like a pretty obvious go-to. Uh, Q-tip, definitely. <laughs> Q-tip sold it. The strings are great. The production's great. Just the album version kind of goes on for just a little oh, too long. It was Q-tip. Yeah, that was Q-tip. Oh my god! I didn't know that. That's kind of funny. Yeah, no, no shit, that was dude. that was him. Um, no although shit. I did like a couple other songs off there, like uh, "Shake, Break, Bounce" and uh, "Marvo Jing." They they are probably the more tolerable songs on the record for me personally it does get a little bit repetitive but i liked the melodies and the rhythms that were coming off of those um following that i would say do it again off the following record i liked quite a bit um that might just be because i was familiar with that from a greatest hits record um horsepower off further i'd enjoyed even if that horse sample was just kind of a dumb fuck obvious thing that I should have expected, but as soon as I heard the fucking neighing there, I'm like, God damn it, why did you have to? But the rhythm, like everything else about it, I fucking loved it. It's just as soon as that horse sample came in, I'm like, you motherfuckers couldn't help yourself, could you? <laughs> um, what was the next one? Uh, Go 
off of uh the Echoes album. I liked quite oh, a yeah. bit. Go Go was decent. Yeah, I liked Go. So. And I think uh either Scooby Boobity hated horsepower. Also, uh <laughs> K Bart says that uh Left Forever B is on rock band. You could play rock it on rock band. <laughs> yeah, Scooby Boobity says that horsepower is his least favorite track. Oh, you piece of shit. Um <laughs> Y'all, y'all can bicker about that later. We'll have a talk. Um, but off the uh, no geography, I would say it's a tie between Bango and We've Got to Try. Just because Bango, that fucking percussion work, is fantastic. And We've Got to Try, just that beat when it kicks in right after that chorus. It's just so fucking filthy. It just, as soon as that bass comes in, it's like, like my head just immediately just started like craning. I'm like, oh. Ooh, ooh! Take this Take this noise out of context. Ooh! Yep. Yeah. It's yeah. Fantastic. <laughs> there were many stank faces to be had when I listened to Chemical Brothers this week. I will say that. Like, yeah. A few baseline drop ins with like the drums. I would just be like, Oh God! <laughs> Ew! <laughs> Give me that bass in, drum, baby. <laughs> in In the order that I listen to them, uh, here are my favorite songs from each record that I listen to. Uh, from Push the Button, I I liked Left Right uh, because I was like, uh, finally a song, <laughs> which uh, <laughs> just any port in a storm. Um, and then uh, Fair enough. Cl- uh, I liked I liked Close Your Eyes off that record, I guess, too, to a certain extent. Um, off of Surrender, which again was my favorite record that I listened to. I liked to sleep from day on that. I liked to dream on on that record as well. Um, and I didn't mind out of control as well. Um uh, on the We Are the Night record, uh, Salmon Dance. Salmon Dance is the fucking best song of that record. Yeah. <laughs> so, I was legitimately like, this is great. My favorite part of that whole record is when the, the fake salmon character would come on and, and list off a salmon fact, and then you'd have the guy who was rapping on the rest of the song go, oh, that's very interesting. <laughs> <laughs> me i'm sitting here like laughing as i'm like getting fucking murdered in far cry 5 right uh uh, ridiculous it was so good um uh but i also like battle scars from that record i liked uh the pills won't help you now near the end of the record as well i thought was pretty good Mm, that was a good one um no geography maybe mad as hell but honestly that was a record for me where i was like (laughs) a lot of this doesn't doesn't play for my taste um Born in the Echoes, uh, I would say maybe the title track or Wide Open, but in both cases, I was like, these just kind of sound like kind of bad 80s songs um, for the most part to me. So with that particular record, which is like right in that sort of... uh, It's like that electronica shit, kind of. Yeah, yeah. 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 Oh, uh, we're doing we're doing a slap count now. Yeah how how many how many slaps are you given for? Uh, I gotta open up the spreadsheet. I have these all written on a spreadsheet so that we can track these. Uh, how many slaps are you giving the uh, the Chemical Brothers? Uh, if it was just the first four records, it would be five instantly. <laughs> um, unfortunately, we have to acknowledge everything, so. I actually kind of have to give them, as much as I want to generously give them a four, I have to put them at a three. As, as as high as their high moments are, unfortunately, the stuff after that just did not click. And while I think No Geography was a nice step back in the right direction, and I think they could probably make another fantastic record down the road, um, unfortunately, it you know took 
this long to get to that point again. So uh, for me, Chemical Brothers are legendary for obvious reasons, very influential, um, and I respect the hell out of them. Um, and the records I do love, I love, but the records I do not like, I do not like. <laughs> Drew, where are you on slaps for the Chemical Brothers? Scoobity Boobity says it right with the four slaps. I'm giving it four slaps because although I very much did not like their later work, uh, just, I mean, like Galvanize is okay, but like that album, Push a Button, was kind of dog shit. <laughs> <laughs> but honestly, with how much influence they've done for electronic music and how fucking great those first four albums are. Uh, I mean, like Greg said, if it was just those four albums, it would be five. Um, but because of their later stuff, I'm giving it four. And I wouldn't go three because of how much impact those first four do. And the fact that like they kind of like just couldn't quite... Which is fair for me. For me, I'm rating it kind of also from like a more consumer perspective and not just like the historical thing, just because I think oh, we can yeah. all acknowledge I mean, the history stuff. I mean, even even from consumption standpoint, like those first four are so powerful and like good to me and like have so much influence on me yeah. from my listening perspective that like I can ignore the fact that they're later stuff just was not as magical for me i, I want to make it i want to make it clear the the uh the point of the slap rating is personal uh preference for the music yeah, yeah. if we if we rate the historical context of every artist on this show everyone will be a five everyone will be a five <laughs> exactly no i this is just this is me personally yes. like because i yeah and like scooby Booby just said it in the chat i think having four straight banger albums is enough to compensate for the later career slump and, like, that's how I feel about it, too, because, like, these first four that they did were just, like, really, really fucking good. Yeah. And, like, had a lot of influence on, like, a lot of the stuff I love now. And I could hear all of that stuff, and it's, like, really special and close to my heart. And so I could not get away with doing five or a three. It's got to be a four for me. Okay. Bryce, zero? No, I'm a two. I will give that oh. a two. Um, my shit. so my uh, my grading system based only on my own personal preference is one being bad, two being okay, three being good, four being great, five being incredible. Right? I think that I think they're okay. Um, I wouldn't go lower than that because I think for the type of music that they make, it's probably great. I'm fully acknowledging that my biggest issue with the Chemical Brothers is that I don't like the type of music they make uh like like just generally and and it's uh, like i'm i made an effort i listened to a bunch of the records although apparently i missed all i missed most of the good ones by happenstance <laughs> you son uh, of a bitch you didn't do it right i know i didn't know it's didn't. all right chat chat listen i'm gonna hold bryce captive when we're back on the road playing shows again and i'm gonna lock all the doors in my car while we're on the highway and play um play him the album that he missed uh uh fuck what's it called um <laughs> dig your own exactly hole. <laughs> yeah dig your own hole i'm gonna i'm gonna make bryce have to listen to that album he's gonna be digging a hole for me after i bail out of the fucking car on the highway but uh <laughs> <laughs> but yeah we'll I, have a reprise episode of chemical brothers where he'll give it a 2.1 <laughs> 
I, I want to reiterate, it's it's all, the whole idea of the slap count is personal preference, because, again, if I ranked, like, how, like, I read the fucking Wikipedia rundown, like, these, like, fucking uh, 30 top 10 hits in the fucking uh, UK and shit like that, like, people love these guys, and the fact that the music that they make doesn't fucking spin my dreidel uh, is not really anybody else's fault and certainly not their fault. But for me, based purely on personal preference, which is the whole point of the slap count, it's like a two where like uh, for the most part, I didn't want to like blow my brains out listening to the records. It w- it's not like it was like a kid rock week or wherever it was like, guys, what the fuck are we even doing with this show anymore? <laughs> uh, three episodes in. But uh, but it was, uh, there were legitimately whole albums that I listened to them where, where uh, it was a, a rather miserable experience for me. And I rolled my eyes through the whole fucking thing because some of the stuff that they would do, I'd just be like, Jesus Christ, this is the fucking hokiest shit I've ever heard. You better not have just jinxed us for a Kid Rock episode, I swear to Christ. <laughs> I swear to God, if like people, st- if like we get a bunch of viewers all of a sudden and they're all like Kid Rock, Kid Rock, Kid Rock, I might have to disconnect. <laughs> Self-destruct. And, also, and so like uh, people who are listening to this after after the live show, if you ever want to join in on Twitch and you want to give order of best albums or anything like that, you're more than welcome to Scooby Doo. just gave us his, which are Surrender, Dig Your Own Hole, Exit Planet Dust, Come With Us, No Geography, Born in the Echoes Further, We Are the Night, and then Push the Button at the very bottom. <laughs> <laughs> if you ever feel like trying to get into the Chemical Brothers, don't start with Push the Button. Just listen to Galvanize and move on is what we're trying to tell you. Yeah, Galvanize is extremely <laughs> misleading. <laughs> Yeah, you're like, oh, this is going to be a great album. And then you listen to the rest and you're like, wait, what? No. <laughs> I'm not as critical of it as uh, you two are. But yeah, it's def- like even out of 10, my score would be like a four. Like it's it's definitely got some bad shit on it. Total Rock of Shame slap score for the Chemical Brothers is a nine out of 15 slaps, which is still pretty respectable. Pretty um, damn good. Uh, that... Uh, is the lowest that we've ever given on the sh- on the show, but we've we've only done three episodes. So, uh, yeah. it's not really fair. Um, and we're gonna we, get we're probably get to some weird like like country artist or something at some point in a later date that will probably make <laughs> us all score pretty low because I don't think any of us are really super into country. So that'll be a tough one. Yeah, I mean, it'll depend. If it, sometimes you can find something in a genre that you don't think you really enjoy, and you're like, oh shit, you know. But. That's true, though. That is true. Like the diamond in the rough. Right. Uh, yes. Uh, the wheat through the chaff, right? Uh, I uh, sh- Should we argue about who we're going to do? Uh, everyone seemed like we wanted to do Billie Holiday this week or what? Yeah, I'd be totally fine yeah, with that. Yeah, I'm super down with Billie Holiday. Uh, chat, this is your time uh, to try and get influence in, though. Um, if we don't decide on doing it this week, it'll definitely come up in conversation for ne- next week. If you're listening right now and you'd like to make a suggestion or a couple, we could go through them really fast and just have some more ideas. But I think this week, unless someone pops in with an absolute like, oh, yeah, we have to do that one, it's probably be Billie Holiday. I think it'd be nice to do uh, Billie Holiday as a, a pronounced uh, and important influential female voice as well as uh, to touch on that sort of old uh, jazz uh, type of sound, which we haven't really explored yet on the show. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we also had a suggestion from Kbart for Skylar Gray, not now but later. Um, and Scoobity Boobity asked if any of us have listened to Can, C A N. 
No. I I have heard Can's first couple of records. I'm not I'm not sure how wide the discography is, but I do enjoy Can quite a bit from what I have heard. Yeah. And we're trying. Also, I I well, while we appreciate more obscure artists, like for at least the first probably like ten or fifteen shows, we're gonna try and stick to more of artists that we probably should have already gone through the discog of right. um, because of how popular they are. Like like I don't know how many people would be you know, going after Billy Holiday at this point in time in the twenty twenty one. But sure. I mean her her impact on music it just can't be denied. And I'll admit yeah. I only really know her off Strange Fruits. Right. That's about it. So to really yeah. like dive into her whole discography I think it'd be extremely interesting. Yeah, I mean and it, it sounds like it's more mellow, which will be nice because I'm gonna be driving to New York uh in a few days and having something relaxing while getting cut off by some person with a connecticut plate um <laughs> might keep me from killing somebody right so Which we'll is what you thank need. billy holiday for that don't do elvis i did elvis you don't want to do elvis <laughs> yeah i have no interest in first off yeah first off i don't want to do elvis presley at all <laughs> and second of all i've listened to enough of him to not be able to do it so same i because we're yeah. only doing artists that we have like basically no experience listening to maybe we've heard like one or two songs the biggest thing with elvis is that it would be disqualified on on my run from being my grandmother fucking loved elvis yeah no fuck elvis presley you heard it here first <laughs> ladies and yep. gentlemen um, <laughs> but did that man know how to make a delicious sandwich am i am i telling you yo that but that peanut butter Fucking banana sandwich be busting. <laughs> if you've never had one, I w- we were in Virginia for a big ska festival. We were in Virginia and we were uh, walking around in this sort of downtown area at this place in Virginia, just like killing time. And uh, we went into this coffee shop and I had it was a like a like a imagine like a Dunkachino with like peanut butter and bananas in it uh it was it was incredible like i drank one and then i went and ordered another one and drank that one too right after uh because it was unbelievable uh and uh, i have been chasing that uh uh incredible uh what they called a fat elvis coffee uh ever since oh man that sounds so fucking good uh dab a little so honey much. on that bimch is what scooby Dooby <laughs> said for real though you gotta drizzle a little honey on it too. That's the secret sure, right there. Sure. Just more sugar. It's already ooey and gooey, but you drizzle a little honey on that bimch. And like, let me tell you, <laughs> that thing goes from zero to one hundred. All right. So um, ne- next week we'll do Billy Holiday. Uh, the week after that, we'll we'll uh, we'll find like a brand new artist to do. It'll Kid Rock. Cool. Yeah. Uh, right. Yeah, Kid Rock. Obviously. For the love uh, of fuck no. <laughs> I will protest. I really don't want to do a Kid Rock episode. I know, I know two Kid Rock songs over here. I know "Ba" with the "Ba," <laughs> uh, and I know um, that one that he plagiarized um, Warren Zevon and "Sweet Home Alabama." Yeah, yeah. Oh God, that fucking thing! I forgot. <laughs> I know, uh, I know a decent amount of his like singles. Unfortunately, Greg likes him too much. It's disqualified. Oh, fuck off with that accusation. K Bart says Uncle Cracker greater than Kid Rock. I don't know who Uncle Cracker is. He but... he was associated with Kid Rock. I think he was his 
DJ for like the early 90s, and then Uncle Cracker had some hits of his own in the 2000s. For a man who doesn't like Kid Rock, you sure know a lot about him. Yeah, dude, seriously, though, I only know those two fucking songs and the fact that he looks like an asshole, but you actually know (laughs) members of the band that toured with him and shit, like... Wikipedia searches at like two in the morning when I can't sleep and just find some weird shit. And I'm like, really? Huh. I wouldn't have known. Okay, next one. <laughs> Drew, plug that record of yours one more time, would you? Oh, mine? Yeah. Guys, if you got to the end of the podcast, congratulations. You're going to get another little quick ad, and it's a personal <laughs> ad of my motherfucking new songs that I released independently. Uh, because I couldn't clear copyrights on some of the samples. Go ahead and just go to soundcloud.com forward slash official Drewski with an I, not a Y. And you can go there and check out my brand new playlist on there. The Drewski Thix Tape Volume 1. Uh, really great stuff. Got a Men in Black remix on there. Uh, some great synth work on some of the other songs. And also, Kate Bart's mentioning, if you guys haven't heard of the band Sonic Libido, uh, where have you been? Like, they're the greatest, hardest, rocking, hunky boy ska band with rock and metal and reggae and all kinds of cool crossovers of genres. And you can find them all anywhere if you just Google those motherfuckers. And, it sounded it uh, sounded like you said a hunky boy scout band which uh a hunky boy scout band which honestly <laughs> might be our new wardrobe when we finally return to touring oh, again God. i'm, I'm oh, expecting actually, a boy scouts concept record now so so those who have uh seen us live know that like for a great deal of time now we have been touring with uh track suits um with all of our nicknames bad boy sad boy rad boy glad boy and mad boy um however uh, Bryce, I, I know you're not familiar with this yet, but the bassist and I have already been discussing a new wardrobe. You guys, no, it's horrible. Oh, we we had the tracksuits for like eight shows. We had the show for we had the tracksuits for like eight fucking shows. It, we felt, come it back. feels like we've had them a lot longer. Yeah, because we have been on the shelf for a year and a half. Yeah, are you really going to wear a tracksuit in 90-degree hot weather outside? More than anything you motherfuckers are going to pick out for me, especially since you already talked about them being short shorts and shit. No, I'm— And crop tops. And crop tops. (laughs) Yeah, hard no. I'm sorry. Hard no on that one. Look, if we get um, 100 new subscribers to the podcast— No, no, I'm not putting anything (laughs) on this. I'm, I'm not going to wear them. By the end of June 2021, if we have over 100 subscribers to the podcast on whatever podcast website Bryce puts this out on, I don't know because I am awful. Um, but if we can get 100 <laughs> subscribers, we will be coming back as the band Sonic Libido with crop tops and short shorts. You heard it first here on Rock of Shame, episode three of the podcast. I'd sooner put us in fucking later hosen than that shit, just to despite Sean at this point. I'm telling you right now. If it's 100 subscribers by the end of June, Bryce will have no other choice because of the success of this podcast. He will have to fulfill his promise. I'm liking this juicy internal band conflict, and I'm just sitting here just enjoying the conflict. You'll love to see it. (laughs) I'm going to cut this whole thing, just so you know. So (laughs) (laughs) He says that. Please don't. (laughs) But we will have short shorts and crop tops by July. If you guys tell your friends, come check it out. And yeah, if you guys want to support my SoundCloud as well with my new tracks, I appreciate that too. You don't have to, um, but any engagement is appreciated, even if it's not your cup of tea. We'd love. If you support him with his tracks, he will wear the crop top and the short shorts yeah. regardless. Yeah, do it on your stream. That's a perfect place for it. Do it on fucking 
fucking thick Thursday, you can wear your short shorts and your crop top. Put your fucking shoe on your head and do the show. Um, Bitch, I might. <laughs> I know. I know. I absolutely know that. Greg, do you have anything yeah. to plug, man? Um, at the moment, no. I am currently working on my uh, month in music series. Um, trying to catch up with that with day job and house hunting and everything. Um, but other than that, um, check out the music that we recommended uh, earlier in the show. Check out Chemical Brothers. Um, mm. Regardless of our thoughts, it'd still be awesome if you just check out the artists that are related to this episode. And yeah. uh, check out Ya Boy Motherfucking Drewski on SoundCloud and also Sonic Libido. Mm-hmm. And I'm not just saying that because I am also a fan of Sonic <laughs> Libido. Like, just check them the fuck out. They're they're dope. Thanks for the additional plug, Greg. Appreciate it. Yeah, it's Yee. great great to have it doubled up. Uh, if you want to listen to more of me, I host a show every week called Seeing the Elite and AEW podcast on all your podcast feeds. If you like uh, Pro Graps, the Pro Graps game, uh, you can go and check that out. But uh, we're going to close up the show now. Thanks for joining us on this wonderful adventure. We'll be back next week with Volume 4, Billy Holiday. Please subscribe to the show. Tell your friends. Share it around. Music is better with friends, as we always say on this show. But for now and until then, your next favorite band is out there. Go and find them. <laughs> <laughs>